Pre-COVID, many were at ease. During COVID, many became idle. And what has crept in? Well, sin. Sin is finding its victims through temptation. It's right there at the door, just like it was for Cain. And some people have an excuse, saying, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Really? How? How did the devil force you to do anything? Satan doesn't force anybody to do anything. Did Satan force Adam and Eve to take a bite of the fruit? Did Satan force Samson to lie down with Delilah? Did Satan force David to overlook his balcony and find Bathsheba and sin with her? No. No. Yes, Satan can influence. Satan can enter. Satan can get a stronghold. He can get a foothold. But he can't force anybody to do anything. There is going to be no excuse for anybody on Judgment Day. Nobody will be able to look at God and say, I had no control. Nobody will be able to look at God and say, there was no way for me to get out of it. I just couldn't help it. Just the sin was there and I, I, I had no other choice. I had to sin. I had to do it. Nobody will be able to say that to God. You want to know why? Because the Bible says that the last day, witnesses will be brought forward. And what the Lord is going to do is he is going to find people that he's going to put on his left. These are the people that did not follow the Lord. These are the people that he does not know. These are people that are lost. And then there will be people on the right, people that he knew, people that he saved, people that he redeemed, people that he caught away from the earth and caught away from the judgment. He's going to find somebody, somebody who's, who's going to say, that I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't stop sinning. I couldn't repent. And he's going to bring somebody forward that lived a very similar life to them and say, this person repented. This person followed me. They did it. Why couldn't you? You know, I'm a preacher's son, a pastor's son. And I know other pastor's sons my age grew up in a church very similar like mine, grew up going to the same events that I did, Pentecostal events, they were given every opportunity that I was. I'm not more privileged than any of them. They had the same opportunity as pastor's sons. And some of them are going to stand before God, and they backslid. They walked away from this, chose their own path. They didn't follow their father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, they followed their father, Satan. See, God is going to let you follow whatever you follow in this life. He's going to let you follow it into eternity. You follow truth. Now, you follow the Lord now, you repent of your sins now, you say no to sin now, you're going to go to where that goes in heaven. But instead, if you follow the devil now, you're going to follow him right to hell. He's going to bring many backslidden preachers, kids, uh, before his throne, and he's going to call me, Lord willing. I plan on making it. He's going to say, Justin Gleason had every opportunity. Justin Gleason had every same thing that you did, and Justin Gleason obeyed. Why couldn't you have? You see, nobody's going to have any excuse. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Angels are witnesses of everything, and including men and women who are going to be saved in heaven will be witnesses of either people's righteousness or they will be witnesses of their evil. So do you want to escape hell? My message for you today is you've got to learn to escape 
temptation. Think about this. If there is sin, the reason there is sin is because there was temptation. If there's no temptation, then there's no sin. It's as simple as that. That's what the Bible teaches. So you're here to listen, and I'm here to talk. This is Justin Gleason bringing you the spiritual word in the year of our Lord, 2021. You can find me on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Audible, Podbean, Truth Radio, and many, many more. So please subscribe, give us a great review and rating, listen to past and future episodes, and be sure to share a link or a screenshot of Spirit Signal to your church, to your friends, and to your family. Contact me at spiritsignaljg at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook pages, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. Podcasting is the future and the message of God, Bible, and church are the future of it. Take it, Gandalf. Take it. No, sir, no. You must take it. You cannot offer me this ring. I'm giving it to you. Don't tempt me, Frodo. I dare not take it. Not even to keep it safe. Understand, Frodo. I will use this ring from a desire to do good. But through me, it would wield a power too great and terrible to imagine. Reading to you now from the blessed word of God. Book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Begin reading at verse number 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed. Lest he fall. Mm. The Bible further says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I've heard this passage preached from time to time by other preachers out there that are good, good in their in the in their probably good in their own eyes. But uh, I thank God for anybody that preaches, and you got to understand some some of us have different interpretations and applications. But I'm go- I'm just going to tell you this: anybody who says that this verse means that God won't give you something that you can't handle is wrong, meaning they kind of take this passage and they say, see, God will never send uh, trials. He'll never send troubles. He'll never send, uh, you know, terrible circumstances that you can't handle. That is not true. That is not true. I've heard this preached, you know, God only lets, you know, a man's wife die, you know, if the man can handle it. God only lets uh, children die only to parents, only mothers and fathers that can handle it. You know, he only gives it to the people that can handle it. I've heard this preached, and I'm back there saying, no, that's not what the Bible says. I mean, read the Bible. Does it say that uh, there will be a way to escape trouble? Does it say there's going to be a way to escape trial? No, that's not what it says. It says the word temptation, temptation. 
There is not a person in this world that can bear the loss of a husband. There is not a man in this world that can bear the loss of a wife. There is not a parent out there in this world that can bear bear the loss of a child. There's nobody out there that can bear any loss. I mean, do you really think Job could bear the loss of his children? Look at him. He almost went nuts. If God wouldn't have stepped in, don't tell him what would have happened there. Nobody can bear trouble. Nobody can bear problems. Nobody can do it. Nobody can. God bore those troubles for us. God bore those trials for us. It's called casting your cares upon him. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's not trouble. If that were true, then why is there death? Nobody can bear that. It's talking about temptation. The Bible is saying here, the Corinthian church and us now, you can bear temptation. Because no, God's not going to send any weird temptation that's not common to men. Nobody out there is going to be tested in a way that other people aren't. There is like no original temptation. (laughs) There's original sins, but there's no original temptation. Everybody is tempted just like everybody, including the Lord Jesus Christ. He was tempted just as we are. The Bible says there is a way to escape it. There is a way to get out of it. Temptation will never come to anybody as a trap that you cannot avoid. It will never come as a snare that you cannot sneak away from. God has a way of setting up our lives where there is a way where you can say no. And he loves it. I get it. It feels good to say yes. Okay. I used to say that when I sold insurance. I'd tell people it feels good to say yes. Say yes. Yes. And uh, shockingly, I got a lot of business out of that because it does feel good to say yes. Saying no, just uh, you don't you don't want to say no. But when it comes to temptation, when it comes to sin, oh, it feels so good to say no. And God will bless you for it. And I've come to encourage you, for those of you that are really battling something right now, there is a way for you to escape it. The three major sins that I'm seeing nowadays for guys and girls is, number one, the parents' basement. You need to have greater ambitions in your life than living in your parents' basement, okay? There's some people, I mean, they've got, they've got it all planned out. They're going to get married, build a little house down there in the parents' basement, and that's where they're going to live. Okay, if that is the best you can do, if that is the circumstance that you are given, uh, live in your parents' basement in peace. But for the most part, most people, it's just because of laziness. It's because of fear of getting out on their own for some reason. Look, I lived in my parents' basement up until 27. I wanted to move out sooner, but my parents advised me, don't move out alone. You need to wait till you get married and then move out because you're going to move into a house. You're going to get really established. You're going to get independent. Then you're going to get married and she's going to come in and change everything that you have, which is true, by the way. And guys, you should. You should let her change the house. You should let her change your wardrobe a little bit, but don't let her disturb or change your golf clubs or uh, your, your tackle box or your ammo. Okay, don't uh, hands off there, wives. All right, we'll leave it at that. Anyway, the parents' basement. Next of all, it is porn. That is one of the greatest temptations, if not the greatest temptation right now. And where does porn usually happen? The basement. It happens in the basement. Sneaking around, looking at pictures, looking at videos. 
getting on those crazy sites, trying to hook up with somebody. That is temptation. And next of all, it is pot. That's right. People are getting high. People are getting high. And I'm talking about church people. Marijuana is becoming very easily accessible nowadays. Who knows? It may be completely uh, illegal everywhere, in any place, at any time. Grow it in your house. Grow it in your garden, no matter what. Have a pot salad. Put a little ranch or Caesar dressing on it. Enjoy it. Put some blackened shrimp in it. Eat it. Get high, man. Have a joint, man. Smoke a bong, man. Let's get high, man. Free. Free this. Free that. No telling what is next here. All right, let me tell you this. Pornography is a sin. Is that the way God really created sexuality to be? To have a relationship with pictures? To have a relationship with plastic? Is that really how it was supposed to be? In the beginning, God made male and pornography. In the beginning, God made female and pornography. Have a relationship with a porn star. It's healthy. It's good. It's good for your brain. It's good for your life. It's good for you. Let me tell you this. Pornography is not good for you. It is, but that's the way the world wants it to, 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 to advertise it. You know, sex is good for you. You know, you're not having enough pleasure. That's why you're so stressed out. And you know, that's why you're unhappy. You need to have pleasure. Uh, you need to have drugs. You need to smoke this. You need to get high, man. Uh, escape reality. Reality is, is boring. Reality is lost. You'll, you'll, you'll end it all if you face reality. So be high, uh, live on porn, and, and stay in your mama's basement. That's where this generation, that's the pressure, that's becoming the cultural norm. The, it's going to be like the historical normative 500 years from now if the Lord tarries. Okay? That is the temptation. That is where this culture is shifting. Look, I get it. Porn and pot, if you got a one-string guitar for a brain, yeah, I, I, I guess it makes sense for you. But Christians are called to something deeper. Pentecostals are called to something more powerful, okay? We are called as men to love our wives. The Bible teaches he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Not he who finds his favorite porn star or his favorite porn channel finds a good thing. No, that is sin. It leads to hell. Guys, you need to find a wife. You need to find a real woman, okay? Don't go out trying to find some Japanese sex doll, and you know, by the way, there is no difference between what a plastic doll or a piece of plastic on your phone. Porn is porn. Fantasy is fantasy. Stay away from it. It leads to hell. How are you going to feel when you stand before God and you're going to be cast into the lake of fire and you have to explain to God why? Because you were looking at pictures. Because you were addicted to videos. You know, I, I, I get it. Look, you're, you might you can follow that porn star now and follow her straight to hell, but you ain't going to be having no porn relationship in hell. I can guarantee you of that because hell is going to be a place for sinners who crave that sin, but never have anything fulfilled. Their sin will not be available to them. But how are you going to like standing before God and you got to go to hell because of pictures when you've got uh, people like Osama bin Laden in there who went to hell for all of his acts of terrorism? It's not worth it. You've got to do something better. So girls, look for a husband. Put down the porn. Guys, look for a wife. Put down the porn. That's the way God made it. You'll be happier in this life and in the life to come. Okay? And some of you watching this, listening to this, you're getting high. 
And I know what you're thinking. Oh, it's natural. God made it, man. It's natural. It's not synthetic. It's not made from man. I would never touch the LSD, man. I would never do the heroin, man. So I'm just going to smoke what's natural. Okay. All right, I get it. Yes, God made porn. I don't think the devil made it. I don't think it was concocted in some lab or something somewhere. I get it. I understand it. But you've got to remember this. The Bible says emphatically, be sober. That's what the Bible teaches. Be sober. I don't care if God made it. I don't care if it just sprung up out of the ground. I don't care if it grows in your pocket. I don't care what it is. We are called to be sober. We are called to be vigilant. You want to make it into heaven? You can't do it high. You will not be able to withstand the greater temptations that will come. Because let me tell you, when you're high, greater sin is going to be lying at your door. Yes, it will. It sure will. So be sober. And don't tell me that you can't say no. Oh, yeah, you can. Think about this right now. I want you to think about your three greatest sins in your life. Think about each of them right now. Don't comment them. Don't write me what they are. I guess you can if you want to. All right, because I love to hear from the audience. Your three greatest sins. Think about it right now. There was a way in each of those for you to say no. There was an instance in each of those times where you could have said no. There was a way of escape. You could have said no to that. You could have walked away from that. You could have not gone there at all. You didn't have to give into the peer pressure. You didn't have to give into the temptation. Temptation is limited. Temptation is not all powerful. Temptation has no authority. Temptation, all it is, is just the whisper of the devil. And it's also the voice of your own flesh. But through the power of the word of God, which is an authority, it says there is no temptation overtaking you that's not common to men. Everybody goes through it. And everybody has a way to say no to it. You know what you need? You don't need deliverance. I have people in the altar ask for that. You know, uh, Pastor Justin, pray for me that God just delivers me from pot, delivers me from smoking, delivers me from porn. You know, that's your flesh talking. You want me to pray for that? The flesh will melt off your body. You can't get rid of your flesh. Flesh is flesh. It's fallen. That's why you've got to keep your flesh in subjection. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name to break the bondage of sin off of your life. And then you've got to put that flesh in subjection. You've got to live, as it were, under that water completely for the rest of your walk with God. That's what you've got to do in this time. That's how you say no to the temptations of this age. It is learning to say no. That's how you avoid it. You need to get a supernatural no in your spirit and a love for what is holy and a love for what is righteous. I know a lot of you are right now really discouraged in your walk with God. And I tell you, there's nothing more discouraging than seeing somebody that you look up to and somebody that you really trust, a man or a woman of God, preacher and teacher of the word, maybe a worship artist, somebody like that. And they sin. They fall. Of course, nowadays we say uh, they make mistakes. (laughs) 
Nobody's saying sin anymore. It's saying I struggled. I made mistakes. I made bad choices. It's like the word sin is politically incorrect now. Who knows? Maybe they'll start saying the word sin itself is racist. The word sin is homophobic. The word sin is not politically correct. That's probably where this is going. There's no telling uh, what the limitations are of this current insanity in our world. But yeah, we've had some major fallouts uh, in the Christian world, you know, outside of oneness Pentecost, which I am. Yeah, Jerry Falwell Jr. and, and his wife and, and, and the pool guy. I, 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 <laughs> we commented on that back when it happened. But yeah, that discouraged a lot of people. I'm sure it, it discouraged a lot of students there in that school. And maybe, but maybe there's some that are like, Woo, wow, Jerry Falwell, he's having sex. He's watching sex. Yay. We can have a little bit of God. We can have a little bit of Bible. We can have a little bit of church. And we can have a little bit of adultery. And watch while it happens for years around our pool it is no wonder the bible says in romans the wrath of god is revealed against all of those who hold the truth in unrighteousness that's right you cannot have both that's what satan would love for you to have that's what the tree of knowledge of good and evil was all about it was a way to know how to have what is good and how to have what is bad well god doesn't want that God only wants you to have what is good, what is holy, what is righteous. See, Falwell's in trouble. And as far as I can tell, he hadn't repented. No, what did he take, like $11 million? Yeah, that's the modern way of mistakes and failures. <laughs> you commit some big sin and your company gives you a big check. You know, here, go your way in peace. Have some more. Have some more candy. What about Carl Lentz? You know, I... You know, Carl Lentz, you know, had a lot of really good things to say. And he was saying it in a way that was really catchy for this generation. But I remember looking at the guy, uh, the way he dressed. You know, he dressed in a way that was like luring, like go out to the club and hook up. That's the way he dressed. It was not a modest, you know, approach, but it was very revealing and, uh, you know, the Bible commands us to dress modestly. We don't dress in a way when somebody looks at you and they think sex. You know, you want to dress in a way. Clothing sends a message. You know, all these people, well, God doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the inside. Yes, that is true. The Bible says that. But you've got to understand the context of that. It's a word for Samuel in trying to choose a king. And when you think of king, you think of a seven-foot-tall man like Saul. You know, with big broad shoulders and a fierce countenance. You know, that's what you're looking for. Well, God chose something different, younger, uh, not most popular, not the strongest, not the tallest, but a shepherd boy. You know, clothing sends a message. I mean, look at it in the Bible. There's a reason for that. And think about it right now. If I showed up to Spirit Signal and I wore one of those Hare Krishna robes, that's right, one of them orange robes. And I shaved my head bald except for one big lock of hair on top of my head. And I had, I had those little symbols. And instead of opening it up with some epic 
spirit signal headbanging music. I opened up with Hare Krishna, chaka chaka chaka, Hare Krishna, and that's all I did. You know, with a with an orange robe and 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 I smoked a little pot while I was doing it and had a, had had some porn on the side. You know, God doesn't look at the outside. He doesn't look at the outside at all. It's all on the inside. And I've got Jesus in my heart. Jesus of Nazareth is in my heart, but on the outside, I've got Hare Krishna. I've got a little bit of pot. I've got a little bit of whiskey. I got a little bit of absinthe. I got a little bit of porn. And it doesn't matter because God only looks on the inside. Stupid. Absolutely dumb. Oh, no. You got to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. You know what that means? You need to love the God with all of your with all of your thoughts, with all of your feelings, with all of your words, with all of your clothes, with everything that you look at, with everything that you say, with everything that you do, with everybody you hang out with. God is going to bring every work into judgment. I'm tired of people saying, well, this isn't a heaven issue. This isn't a hell issue. Really, it's not. The Bible says God will bring every work into judgment, whether it be good or whether it be evil. There is no such thing as this is not a heaven or hell issue. Everything is a heaven or hell issue. Every work is brought into judgment. Everything that you put on will be brought into judgment. Everything that you say will be brought into judgment. Believe me, God does look at the outside when it comes to judgment. He may not look at the outside when it comes to promotion. Oh, no. I mean, you look at a lot of preachers and teachers, you look at them and you wonder, how in the world did they get to be where they are? You want to know a secret about me? I was happy to get a D plus in school. I was, I was like Tommy Boy. I got a D plus and did cartwheels down the hall. I was. I was a terrible student. But now I, I've committed to hours a day in self-education to preach and teach. That didn't come on my own. That came from God. I'm not naturally a good talker. I slur my words. I get mixed up. But through the help of the Lord, God has helped my stream of consciousness God has helped my discipline to sit down and write a few things out on paper just to be able to talk. God did it. God helped me do it. He didn't look at the outside of Justin Gleason as a troubled grade school and teenage boy, but he looked inside and saw somebody who wanted to study, wanted to learn, wanted to teach and preach, and he called me to it. And he helped me through it the same way it was with David. He was not equipped to be king. His outside was not king, but on the inside of his heart, it was after God. And God said, on the outside, I'm going to make him a king. That's what that means. Now, Carl Lentz, he didn't love God with his outside. You know, people would say that about him. Oh, God doesn't care about tattoos. God doesn't care about the piercings. God doesn't care about those V-necks and, the, and, the, and, the, and all that tan skin and showing off his biceps and his high-heeled boots. Now, Carl Lentz sent a message, and the message was loud and clear. You then have Robbie Zacharias. I've never read. Actually, I've read a little bit of Robbie Zacharias. I've watched a little bit of his videos. I wasn't a big fan of him, but an incredible apologist. You know, he really helped the the faith and the confidence and, and answered a lot of questions out there. You know, people that that, you know, that had trouble believing that God was even real. You know, Robbie Zacharias did that. And now it's come out posthumously after his death that he uh, had 
inappropriate relationships, yeah, mistakes, bad choices. No, Robbie Zacharias was a sinner. He was actively sinning, had adulterous affairs, according to the news. Don't let that discourage you. You know, the sins of Judas nearly wrecked the church. Thank God for the apostles that stood up and said this was a fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus had to be betrayed. And this betrayer, look at him. He hung himself, his uh, bowels filled up with gas, and he burst open, and, 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 and all his insides, his entrails gushed out. That's what happened to him. Should we be afraid? Should we be discouraged? No. You know, let the devil go to hell by himself and let Judas be down there with him. You move on. You keep on saying no. You keep on saying no to temptation. I remember going into seventh grade, and my father uh, usually took me to school on Mondays and Fridays. After that, I had to ride the bus. I, to this day, I still think the school bus was worse than school. Oh, I hated that school bus. Oh, I hated riding that bus. Yikes. But I was always thankful when dad or my mother would take me or bring me home. And I'll never forget walking into school in seventh grade. And my dad told me, he said, son, you need to learn to look a woman right in the eyes. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. You need to look a woman right in the eyes, meaning if you began to look at anything outside of her eyes, it will cause you to lust. It will then bring forth temptation, and temptation will bring forth sin. It just has that domino effect, and I'll never forget that. And I applied that principle to my life from seventh grade to this day. And thank the Lord for that, because it has helped me to say no to temptation. And girls, a good girl out there wants a guy to look him in the eyes. Unless she's lewd in her spirit, or like one of these girls on Instagram who likes to exhibit her body, apostolic girls, guys, want you to look them right in the eyes. It's a way to communicate, but if you're like this, you know, the chances of getting a date and beginning a relationship and getting engaged and getting married, all that are slim to none. Learn to look, look her right in the eyes. Great form of communication. And it'll help you not to lust. Think about that. Looking in the eyes going to be no problem. Looking in the eyes, you're not going to have any sin. You're going to create an excellent boundary for yourself. And you're going to please the Lord. I had a job uh, before before the ministry, before all of this happened. I, I worked in restaurants. I I worked in a lot of restaurants, and I had a job that I absolutely loathed, but I was thankful for it. It helped me kind of in a transition period, and I had another coworker throw herself at me, throw herself at me, and I'm not the best-looking guy uh, in in the world out there, Um, you know, I... (laughs) I mean, you know, other other guys out there just got it, you know, and they've had to say no to worldly girls, you know, many, many times. I've only really had to do it once in my life. And she threw herself at me. And you know what? It could have gone, it, it could have led to something horrible. But you know what I did? I pushed her away from me. And I've got something inside of me. I've just got fight in my spirit. And I didn't physically assault her. Don't get me wrong. 
I simply pushed her away. And I said some very mean things to her to shut her down. And I won't even repeat them on this microphone. <laughs> I told you what I, uh, what, I, what, I, what I did in a, in a restaurant when I almost got into a fight with a, with a guy who said uh, something horrible to me. It was nowhere near like that. But I said, I, I called her some uh, very mean names. And I said, get out of my face. And the whole way home, I drove home and I just prayed, God, thank you for helping me. I mean, I felt like Joseph, you know, who had to run away from Potiphar's wife. I mean, I ran. I got out of there. You know what? I never went back. It was on a Saturday night, the Saturday right before the Super Bowl. And I was supposed to work that Sunday afternoon and evening during the Super Bowl. And you know what? I just didn't show up to work. (laughs) I evaded temptation. I mean, it was right there. Could have had it. Through the Lord's strength and through discipline and keeping my flesh in subjection, I said no to a woman who threw herself at me. She threw herself at me and I almost threw up. That would have been great. Puked all over. Oh, I wish that would have happened. That would have been a great story. Hey, you know what? That was a dark season, dark time in my life, and I said no. And quickly after that, the Lord opened doors for me, and I started preaching out more. Actually went to another level in ministry at my local church. God will reward you when you pass the test of temptation. He sure will. I also went through, not long after that, another dark time in my life. When we had the emergent church among us. It was just a group of men and women that began to question so many things. That's all it was, was questions. There was no periods. There was no exclamation points, no definite answers at all. It was all just questions. Does God really want this? Does he really want that? And I was almost duped into believing it. But I just would watch those emergent guys preach. You know, what they had to say sounded good, but it doesn't work. You know, I get it up there. They're 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 mocking us for um, our shout and our dance and our Pentecostal form of worship. And then they're like, "How many bums have you fed? How many homeless people have you taken into your house?" Let me tell you what: ain't no bum coming into my house. It's not going to happen. And 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 you know what? There's really I think there's no cure to solve the poor. Jesus said, "The poor you have with you always." Moses said, "The poor do not cease from the land. It's the human condition. We'll never get rid of it." I believe in giving alms. I do that. You know, I, somebody that's come to me in a, time, in a time of need, like circumstantial and not because of bad decisions, yeah, I'll help them out a little bit. You know it. But this cause-driven social gospel stuff is not the message. It's not the message. It's not why Jesus came. He came to seek and save that which is lost, the real problem. You know? But this, this emergent church just began to question so many things. And they threw out a lot of the boundaries and standards, you know, that are all biblical and there for a good reason. And they threw them all out, you know, to preserve, to, to, for, for what, you know, to, you know, to drink beer after church, to smoke a few cigars and say it's okay. And then, you know, quote Gandhi in their message and, and, and sit on a stool and, you know, to have some pothead hippie play guitar for him. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's weird. And for a second, I was almost duped by it. But I watched what would happen after they would preach. Jesus said, you will know men by their fruits. Let me tell you what. I don't care how good you preach. If there is no altar call afterwards, no prayer afterwards, 
And I watched these emerging guys. They didn't know how to give an altar call. I mean, everybody just stand there like, what do we do? Nobody knew what to do because they didn't know what they were doing. And I saw through it all and I said, nope. I said, no, I'm not coming to your emergent meetings. I'm not responding to your emergent texts. Matter of fact, I unfriended a lot of them on social media. Before they, uh, but a lot of them unfriended me because I, I blasted them, called them out. You know, and, and it, that was during the days when Facebook wars were like really socially acceptable. I, I don't really do that much now. We, uh, we podcast now. But yeah. There's a lot of great temptations in this day and age for this generation. And I tell you, during this COVID-19, there's going to be a lot of temptation to love this world. Don't love this world. What's there to love in this world? It's full of pandemic. It's full of war. It's full of hate. Don't love this world. Love God. Love what is spiritual. Love what is holy. Another great temptation that we have are life circumstances. It is the bad things and the good things in life. When bad things come your way, don't let it discourage you. Because when bad things come, temptation comes. It sure does. And when good things come, when you get a new promotion, temptation will be there. It sure will. Believe me. It is no wonder that Jesus taught us every day to pray that you enter not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You notice the Lord doesn't command us to pray every day, Lord, keep me from sin. He doesn't say that. He says, pray that you will not be led into temptation. Pray that you will not be led into temptation. That's the message. That's the power. Because if there is no temptation, there is no sin. If you learn to escape temptation, you will escape damnation. Well, we've been living with uh, COVID for a year now. Some parts of the world, some parts of the country, it's been a little bit longer. But for the most part, most of us here in the United States, Canada, North America, we've been living with it for a year. Came out uh, around mid-March is when those cases first started coming here to the land. And uh, our civil authorities stood up and declared a state of emergency and asked us to shut down our businesses, shut down our schools, shut down our churches, lock away yourself inside of your house and only go to your grocery store and your gas station. And that was it. And that's where we've been living at. I'm sure there's people out there that have still not come out of their house. And you know, if you're high risk, uh, COVID's real, stay in the house, live, survive. It's a good thing. Uh, pray, get a hold of God in your home, do it. Stay tuned into your online church. I get it. You know, a year ago, uh, some people laughed about it. Some people thought it was ridiculous. I tell you what, I believed it was the end of the world. I sure did. But I prayed. I prayed. And you know what? God gave me an answer. And we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the Lord speaking directly to me concerning COVID-19. It was on Sunday, March 22nd, early in the morning. It, was the, it would be the first Sunday that our church would... Uh, lock its doors, and we would only have online church. I'll never forget being awakened by a tapping on my shoulder. 
And when I opened my eyes, the angel of the Lord stood before me and he spoke to me the word of the Lord. And he said, some will die. Most will live. After 60 days, the church shall regather, followed by 60 days of slowly reopening. And thereafter, 60 days of recovery. There will be three pandemics. Some will say four. And the vision then ended. And I got to church and I told my father, our pastor, I said, in 60 days, we're going to regather. I told a few other ministers in our church, we got 60 days of this lockdown. And we didn't know it at that time. We didn't know it. But sure enough, sure enough, our last day to gather together as a local church here in Kansas City, Missouri, at the Life Church, it was on Sunday, March 15th. 60 days of quarantine passed from Monday, March 16th, to Thursday, May 14th. And then that very Sunday, May 17th, 60 days were fulfilled and our church regathered. Mm. And thereafter, there were 60 days of reopening, 60 days of recovery. You know, it's something after that final 60 days of recovering, those uh, 180 days later, our first outbreak here at our local church happened. And sadly, some did die. Sadly, some did die. You know, the word of the Lord came to me a year ago at a place where, you know, I didn't have any sin in my life. But can I tell you, it came at a time, honestly, where I felt like I really wasn't hearing from God. You know, I just kind of started spirit signal and was really doing my thing and really busy with the church. You know, we're in, we're in the middle of a, a capital campaign and you know, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm doing all these things. I really, I didn't feel distant from God, but I really felt like I hadn't had a word from God in a long time. And there, that word came, poof. I mean, that blew me away. And it really was a guiding word for our local church and a lot of other churches in this area who were in the same situation as us. And we thank God for that. That word kept me. That word helped me get through a lot of things. The word of the Lord is precious, the Bible says. It's like a sharp sword. It, and, and, it's, and it's loving. It's caring. His word is forever. And I got another word I'm hanging on to, and I want to remind you of it. It came to me in July, on July 4th, the year 2020, and I published this publicly on social media on uh, July 14th. You know, usually with words from the Lord, I like to think about them and pray about them for a while before I make them public. Just, just wisdom, by the way. The word of the Lord did come to me on July 4th, 2020, saying to me, the plague is departing. A light remains in Washington. A mistress of the insurrection is cut off. They shall not turn the other cheek to the commotion. A fire shall consume the dwellings of low quality. They shall say farewell to the protection systems of Roosevelt. I don't know exactly what that means. But I'll tell you this. I believe the beginning of that word is beginning to be fulfilled. And that is the plague is departing. You know, COVID-19 mysteriously came upon us, and I had a sense, and I've said it on this, uh, on this show before, that as mysteriously as COVID arrived, it will mysteriously depart. It will mysteriously depart. And that's happening. Our own local mayor here, 
who is, uh, he's liberal. He's liberal and he's very proud of that. He's a part of the Democratic Party. God bless him. Prayed for him this morning. He, uh, by the way, he was awesome during the George Floyd riots. Uh, he said some amazing things and really uh, became a great voice for our city. And we thank God for that because there was not a lot of destruction and rioting. There was some, but not a lot of it as it was in other cities. So we thank God for Mayor Lucas. But he said something a couple days ago. He said, COVID-19 is mysteriously departing. And he said, it can't all be because of the vaccine. It's just the virus itself is just leaving. So the word of the Lord is being fulfilled. I don't know what's going to happen with the rest of it. We'll see. But just pray with me about this. Continue to do the work of the Lord. Continue to serve your church, but pray for this world. Pray for this land. I think there's still some more work to be done. God is not through yet. The time of the end is not now, but it is near. I uh, I love receiving feedback from our listeners. I, I don't solicit questions. I don't really feel like I need to. I think a podcast host who is like, send me questions, send me questions, send me questions, 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 questions. That's code for I don't have any content. I don't need your questions. I like them. I don't need them. All I need to do is just keep my eyes open and observe. What are people talking about? That's where I get my content. I just keep my ears open. People have been talking to me about temptation. That's why I'm doing a series on it here this month, March of 2021. Back in February, leading up into Valentine's Day, we did uh, some some uh, content about dating and about engagement. And the response from that has been really, really good. We really, really helped a lot of people. There was breakups that happened from that. And and uh, don't blame me for your breakup, <laughs> please. I, Spirit Signal did not break up anybody. Justin Gleason did not break up anybody. God did it. And his word did it. I just happened to be, I guess, the... Uh, middleman, the teacher, the podcaster in between, but I received a a message that I want to uh, answer here on demand for you all. Uh, This came from AI on Instagram, and she says, Hi, Brother Gleason. I just listened to your dating episode on Spirit Signal, and I had a question come to mind. What if someone experiences all the signs from God in the relationship at the beginning of the relationship? But then sin, sin enters the relationship and tears it apart as sin does, causing the relationship to end. Do you feel the two individuals have hope to be together again if they refocus on what God originally intended for them to be? Or should the two avoid a relationship at all costs now that the door to sin is open? That is a very good question. And the signs that she is talking about is when you're with this person, do you want to draw closer to God? You know, do you find yourself praying more? Do you find yourself seeking the Lord more? That's a good sign that it's a good thing. Uh, Another sign is, are you even more interested in church now that you're with this person? If you're wanting to get involved more, if you're wanting to serve more, if you're wanting to pursue a calling more, that's a good sign. And number three, it's uh, pastors, parents, and peers. Is your pastor cool with it? Does he like it? Are your parents cool with it? Are your best friends, your peers cool with it? You know, that's how you kind of see the will of God happen. You know, generally speaking, those are good principles to follow with who you date, get engaged, to get married to. That's what I'm talking about. And here, uh, one of our listeners, she's asking, you know, what if the signs were there, but sin crept into the relationship and busted it wide open? 
you know, is there a chance we could pursue a future together? I, I sent her back a message because it was a good question. I hadn't thought about it and I'm going to answer it here and now. And my response to her and my response to you now is, yes, there is always hope. There's always hope. Love, faith, and hope. That's, those are the three greatest things Paul you know, tells the Corinthian church who were dealing with temptation and dealing with all kinds of sin. And Paul says there's love, hope, and faith. You know, Go after that. So yes, there's hope. If a couple wants to give their healthy relationship, and I, I, I kept the, the, the podcast persona in this response, by the way. I, I hope it was appropriate. If not, I apologize. But yes, it's appropriate. If the couple wants to give their healthy relationship another try, I recommend they do so with no emphasis on the physical. Uh, for example, no sex. And all keep all the emphasis on God. God, Bible, church, pastor, family, hopes, dreams, and getting into quick agreement for the future. Not long dating, not long engagement, but make the wedding and the marriage, you know, happen at at a very inappropriate time. You know, because if the temptation was there in the beginning, it's going to come back now. So you eliminate all of that if you make your relationship sanctified. Standing before the man of God, and he says, I bless this marriage. I, as a man of God, pronounce you man and wife. You know, you know, whatever you bind in heaven will be bound on earth. That's the power of marriage. That's how it works. You know, we'll, we'll get to this in another episode someday, but when is a marriage sanctified is a big question. <laughs> you know, how is your wedding night righteous? How is it not sin? You know, what happens? Does it happen when the preacher says you're married? Those are big questions that nobody's talking about, but JG is going to talk about it. That I can tell you, believe me. Anyway, all right, I, fur- I further, okay, I, I say yes, no emphasis on, on the physical, no sex. Keep the emphasis on God, Bible, church, your pastor, your hopes and dreams, and get into a quick agreement for the future. Uh, get married at an appropriate time. But also, of course, if this couple wants to call it off for good, there can be a major blessing in that. The will of God is clear, it's obvious, and it's peaceable. Thank you so much for listening. So I think that's good advice. There is hope out there. If you knew somebody was for you and then sin got in there and messed it all up and, you know, in the youth group, and there was drama and the family and all of that, you know, we believe in grace. We believe in mercy. Uh, church is messy. Church is messy. It, it is. It, it, it's a mess. You got to really bury the hatchet. You know, and forgive. And that's what the Corinthian church had to do. My God, there was a kid who had a relationship with a stepmom. Oh, that's so weird. But you forgive. Church is messy. Church is messy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> finally. Uh, oh, my Lord. Is the term dog in the Bible racist? Is Jesus a racist for calling uh, a woman a dog? Uh, do we have to talk about it? I guess we do. But uh, there is this pastor out there. Well, a reverend. He calls himself Reverend Brandon Robertson. I, already, I, I like write the dude off. I, I'm sorry, but I can't stand the term reverend. There is nobody irreverent, uh, reverend but God. And I know there's even uh, friends of mine that call themselves reverend and I'm on a campaign of mission. Stop calling yourself reverend. It's it sounds too Episcopal and Catholic for me. It's it's a term that we shouldn't be using. It was a term for 
big preacher, little saint, big man of God, powerful, unaffected by sin. It was a term to cover up a, a sinful man, in my opinion. And reverend, I think, is just a term for a hypocrite nowadays. I don't like reverend. And I know all of you men and women out there that are running to get your license this coming spring. You can't wait to put REV on your Instagram username. You can't wait to use REV on everything that you write or that you send. Nobody's going to take you seriously. That I can tell you. Reverend is a code for I don't know what I'm doing. Reverend is code for I got a car, but I can't preach. And this guy kind of follows that. Uh, his name is Brandan, not Brandon, Brandan, B-R-A-N-D-A-N, Brandan, Brandan Robertson. And he makes a TikTok video and he calls it Jesus, a racist question mark. Uh, Brandan, Mr. Reverend Brandan is gay, very openly gay. Uh, Brandon, you should have stayed in the closet and prayed and not come out of it. That's that's all I'm going to tell you about that. Actually, you know what? I'm going to say more about that. Okay, this this whole idea that you can be gay and a Christian doesn't work. I know they say, well, shellfish was illegal back in the Old Testament. Why can't old te- why can't now homosexuality be uh, legal in the New Testament? Well, let me tell you this: God made shellfish. He did, and when He made it. It says God made everything good. When he made shrimp, he made it good. He didn't make shrimp unclean. He didn't make it evil. But there were certain rules and regulations in the Old Testament for a certain reason. But Jesus came to restore and make whole that which was lost. God made everything good in the beginning. And now things that were unclean are now clean because our rabbi in heaven, Jesus, blesses them and sanctifies them. The rabbi decides what is kosher or not. Okay, they do that in Israel. The Jews uh, still to this day, they'd only eat what is blessed of the rabbi. What the rabbi says is kosher. And our Jesus in heaven says shrimp is clean. Shrimp is good. Smoked ribs are good. When did Jesus, our rabbi, sanctify homosexuality? Any place you read about homosexuality in the Bible, it's not good. It's not good. They're getting destroyed. They're getting judged. And in, in the New Testament, they don't see the kingdom of God. So Reverend Brand Dan, who claims to be a theologian, you need to get your theology right, dude. All right? You're, you're off on the LGBTQ stuff, and you're definitely off on the racist stuff, which we'll get to. Uh, by the way, a disclaimer, homosexuality is a sin. It's not a crime. Christians dwell peaceably with gay and lesbian and transgender people. We're not out to harass you. You live the way you want to. We're not going to harass you. We're not going to de- try to destroy what you have. We're not going to tell you what you can and can't do. You can be in, you can inherit it. You can inherit the kingdom of the United States of America or Canada or wherever you live and be gay, okay? You want to inherit the kingdom of God? Need to repent. Need to change. And we will gladly help you do that because Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. That he gave his life on the cross so you wouldn't have to. So we repent from the very things that put Jesus on that cross. Of which is uh, the, the sins of sexual immorality. And so I know I was just being sarcastic, whatever. But uh, this guy, Brandon Robertson, if you if you ever see this. Oh, I care about you, man. You got some good stuff to say. But I, I just think you're off about the LGBTQ, the him, her, all of that stuff. And I think you're definitely off when it comes to the racism issue uh, theologically, which we're going to talk about right now. Let's go to the book of Mark, chapter uh, number seven. This is the story of Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman. 
It says here, from there, Jesus arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted to and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden, for a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children first be fed, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. And then he said to her, For this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And in this uh, video by the Reverend Robertson, he says that Jesus was a racist. He used a racist term. He called a woman a dog. And back then, that was a racist term to call somebody a dog. And he's, he's like, I just love this scripture because of how far we've come and and all this is that you'll have to go watch the, the the video. It's it's in the news, you know. So uh, Jesus is not a racist, and that is not a racist term. Okay, I don't care how many books or theology or whatever you've written. I've studied the real stuff, and I know this Bible, and I know what I'm talking about. Okay, all right. You know the Bible works in patterns, and it works in interconnecting of scriptures. And the old timers knew this, like Schofield and Thompson, all them guys that cr created references. They knew the Bible patterned itself and connected itself. Okay, Tyre and Sidon. You know who's from there in the Old Testament? Jezebel. Okay, Jezebel, who troubled the prophets, troubled the king, troubled Israel, troubled all that. She was just a mess. As a matter of fact, her spirit makes it into the Book of Revelation. Spirits Alive in the Church today, uh, I want to refer you to the Wicked or Wise podcast, Rachel Carpenter, one of my favorite podcasts these days, tremendous biblical uh, content. She's saying stuff that you've never heard before. Go check it out. She's got phenomenal stuff on Jezebel. But I'll say this, Jezebel, when she, when she uh, died, it was prophesied she would be eaten by the dogs. The eunuchs pushed her out of the window. Jehu was right there and she fell down, her blood splatters all up the tower. She's dead. He walks in. Uh, uh, to relax, he comes back out and the dogs had chewed her up, chewed her up. So dog became a word for somebody who was from that region. It was not a racial term. It was a geographical term. And not only geographical, but rather it wasn't religion it, or it wasn't race. It was a religious term, a religious term. It had nothing to do with her ethnicity. It had to do with her religious practice. She was a pagan woman. This Syrophoenician, this Greek woman, was not a Jew. She was not a follower of God. She worshipped pagan idols, probably the same stuff that Jezebel worshipped. And the Jews called that dog. And one of the reasons for this was it was because of how they worshipped. When they worshipped, they literally worshipped like a dog. They would bow down on all fours and put their face to the ground like a dog does. Okay, you can reference the story of Gideon. Why did God have Gideon and all those men come down to the water? And God said to Gideon, look for a sign. He who gets down and puts his face to the water like a dog and, and licks, get him out of here. Because that was natural, uh, you know, repeated movement and pattern because that's how they worship. They would get down on their face and bow to their idols and coming down to the water, how they bow to their idols, it just naturally in their muscle memory, they got down and lapped like a dog. But him who would scoop up, and drink like a human being, that's how you take to war. And he took those 300 men and, and conquered the Moabites for that because he wanted true worshipers of the Lord. Okay, so that's where the term dog came from. They worshiped like a dog, and they had, I, I guess, all kinds of idols, probably some that looked like a dog. 
So dog was not a slap on her race or her ethnicity, but dog meant to the Jewish mind somebody who worships Canaanite gods and goddesses because of how they bow down like that. That's why he called her that dog. And you know, she doesn't get offended by it because, yes, I do worship like that. She was a Greek, a Syrophoenician. They, they, they worship the, the Baals and the Ashtoreths and all of that like a dog bowing down. Uh, to them, which the people of God did not do. So it, it meant uh, a dog like a worshiper. Okay. No racism, none at all. And you, you reference Revelation twenty two fifteen in heaven. It says on the outside are dogs and the unclean and the abominable. Dog meant outsider. Dog meant outsider. It's not race. It is not race. Jesus is not a racist. And you know what? The Jews weren't racist. You know who was racist back then? The Canaanites. And all the Greco-Roman people, they were the ones that called uh, the Jews racial slurs. The Jews were not that at all, and Christians aren't racism. The church is not racist. The Bible is not racist. Your pastor is not racist. But all of this, whatever out there, it's all this woke uh, teaching by this pastor and other pastors. And you know what it is? It's all the spirit of offense. And it's all intermingled with this LGBTQ stuff and this uh, critical race theory. It's all the spirit of offense. God's not racist. Church is not racist. Bible is not racist. I mean, for goodness sakes, if Jesus was a racist, look at his list of disciples. You know who is down there? Simon the Canaanite. If Jesus was a racist, why did he have a Canaanite disciple? I'll tell you why he did. Because God is no respecter of persons. God is not partial to anybody at all, okay? He's not. He says this to her about the, the dogs, uh, the, what, what is here at the people's table is not given, the children's food not given to the dogs. You know why? Because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost house of Israel first. You know what? The New Testament church did the same thing to the Jew first and then the Greek. Whenever they would go into a city and preach, they go to the synagogue first. They wouldn't go to the temple of Artemis or whoever. They always went to the Jew first because of Father Abraham. Those is who the, the promises were and stuff. Now, I'm not a Jew. I know I got a menorah right there, all that. I just like the way it looks, okay? All right, I'm, I'm a Christian. Jesus is Lord to me. I'm Gentile. But before God saved my people, he saved the Jews. And that's what he's saying to this dog, this Syrophoenician pagan goddess worshiper. You know, what we have is for the Jews first. And she said, yes, but even the dogs eat the crumbs. You know what? It was a test. It was a test to her to test her faith because she was a pagan worshiper and the Lord wanted to really know and wanted her to really see through a question, can you really trust in Messiah and believe that he's a healer and not Artemis and not Diana and all of these other gods and goddesses that she probably would have done sexual, probably lesbian sex, probably a prostitution and probably no telling what else for these gods. And you know what? She passed the test and God answered her miracle. So you know what, gay pastor, it's time to repent. Repent.